This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode six of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. My saddle comes with a seatbelt. Brought to you by our sponsor, EasySignsOnline.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. Bring you the news through hail or high water While using their tails as their own fly swatters So sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop I am Glenn the Geek from Lexington, Kentucky and I am Helena B. from Boston, Massachusetts. And I am Michael Richardson from Heiko, Texas. And this is the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Hey, we have something special today. Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm just great, Glenn. How well, we're, we're doing something fun today. We're going to have a guest. Instead of just doing an interview with Michael, we asked if he'd sit in on the whole show. So uh, we're glad that uh, you're going to co-host with us today. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Now, we had Michael on, uh, Helena. Were you involved in that interview when we, when we did it through Talking Equine, the Talking Equine show when we had Michael on? No, I was part of the show, but not part of that particular interview. I just got to listen to it. Oh, okay, good. Well, I'm glad that both of us can be on with you today, Michael. That was actually one of our, our most um, popular episodes. It's his we deep radio voice. Yep. It's your well, deep well, radio voice, Michael. I think that's what it is. Well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. And that that interview was a lot of fun. To, you know, sitting in the back behind the horse trailers, so that, that was that was all right. See, now, Michael, your answer to that was supposed to be, no, it was my winning personality. Well, that that's a given. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's absolutely a given. Should we, I, I mean, I know this is, um, well, should we tell some of the listeners who might not know Michael yeah, uh, where he's should. from and what, what his claim to fame is? Yes, we probably should. Michael, do you want me to do an intro or do you want to do yourself here? Go go right ahead if you'd like. Well, Michael, I think you were you were an event rider when you were a kid growing up through your teens. Correct. Is that Pony Club? I was involved in Pony Club from just a very, very young age and managed to uh, to continue to go through Pony Club up through my C3. Okay, and was it age 19 that the accident happened? It was 20. 20, okay. I and was it, it was a car accident, right? I was in a Jeep accident where I rolled my Jeep and was thrown out and was crushed by it. And it left me with uh, you know, paralysis of my lower extremities. Okay, so you're, you're paralyzed in a wheelchair. Correct. At this point, okay. Correct. And you've had a number of health issues since then, which we, we won't have to go into here, but let's suffice it to say you've been, you've been down the road and back. I, I've been down the road and back, but you know what uh, doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I think that that's uh, kind of where I'm coming from and, and just makes you appreciate the opportunities that you have to keep doing what you love. Yeah. Well, and I think that's one of the th- reasons that people liked that interview we did the last time is how positive, and one of the reasons that we're friends is how positive that you are about life. Well, you know, I, I, I've been really blessed, and I, I think in my case, like other people, you know, sometimes we're confronted with situations that, you know, we can give up or we can, you know, really bear down and, and find the positives in, in life and 
our position and strive to, to better ourselves. And I think that that's, that's what I've been really focused on and blessed to experience. And, you know, the horse, for example, has lended itself in a very, very positive way, sharing with me what's possible. And, and that's why I just... Uh, so fortunate to be involved with horses and then to take the horse, use it as a catalyst to reach out to other people. And you're still riding, aren't you? I, I'm still riding, yes, ma'am. <laughs> I ride every every day when, when I can and, and spend a lot of time in the saddle uh, from a whole array of perspectives. One, the fact that the mobility is vastly improved from rolling around on, on different types of terrain. It just makes it easier. And then plus, the, the movement is is so beneficial, you know, to my neurological muscle skeletal structures that it, uh, you know, just improves, you know, everything in my body from trunk stability to internal function of my organs. Uh, so that it really is a plus to be able to to ride and experience that on, on an emotional and a physical level. Yeah, not to mention the benefits to your soul, huh? Uh, that's the truth. Absolutely the truth. You know what I I got away from, or what I took away from the interview and from getting to know a little bit about you, Michael, is that life, despite the challenges that we face, physical or emotional, life doesn't have to be worse after an accident like yours. It's just different. You, and you know, you're so right. It, it's exactly right. It, it is different. And, and in my case, and I think people, if they really gave themselves time to think about it, would see that there are more benefits than not. And you could say, well, sure, if they weren't alive, they'd be dead. But the reality of it is, is there's even more, more than just that. It's the fact that you find out things about yourself that you might not have ever had that opportunity to explore. And yeah. in my case, you know, I'm, I'm so gratified on a whole array of levels. But as it pertains to the horses, I'm, I'm a far better horseman uh, and continuing to strive to better myself all the time than I ever was as an ambulatory person. And uh, more more than anything, I never gave myself time or gave the horse time to really figure out the the beauty, the gifts that they have to offer that we can experience. I, I think that we would be remiss in in not mentioning that you're also blessed in another way that you have the most one of the most beautiful, lovely wives in the world, Tiffany, who's also an event rider. And puts up with you on a daily basis. And isn't that <laughs> remarkable? In and of itself, that's remarkable. Um, but she, she, she is a uh, gifted, gifted rider and a lovely, lovely person. And I am blessed to have her in my life. And she uh, is a graduate A pony clubber and has, has really done wonderful things in that regard, as well as a competitive dressage and event rider. And just, you know, really, really has a lot of, a lot of talent uh, from not just riding, but being able to share that. She works with the youth and amateurs. Um, she rides her mom and dad's warm bloods that they're, they're breeding. So it's uh, it's really exciting to see see her develop and ride, and just a wonderful person. Is she? And but unfortunately, she's a little bit shy when it comes to uh, speaking on the radio or on cameras, or, or we'd get her on someday. I keep threatening that we're going to force her to. I, I think you're getting closer. Oh, really? Or last, yeah, I think she, she would do it for you. Oh, well, there we go. There we go. She is a super person, and she she travels with Michael. We should mention that Michael does the circuit, or not does the circuit, but actually goes out and does clinics at, around the country for different farms and pretty much anybody that wants him to come out. That's part of what you do for your business, right? Correct. 
we, we travel around the country taking part in horse fairs, horse expos, uh, doing demonstrations, as well as uh, clinics at, at you know, various places throughout the United States. Well, great. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we go through the show. But, Helena, what is coming up today? Well, uh, first, we have to give a shout-out to Horse Illustrated and HorseChannel.com for highlighting Stable Scoop Radio on their website. We got top billing on HorseChannel.com, so uh, check it out. You'll yeah, see they did right. a great article on us, actually. They almost, they almost made us sound good, Helena. <laughs> I was, oh, boy, we better not mess I, this I up. I know, I know. Actually, they made us sound like we're, a little, we're very controversial, so I think we should argue more. Okay, that's easy. Oh uh, yeah, it shouldn't be a problem. I don't know about Michael, I and mean, he doesn't seem like the argumentative. Type. No, he doesn't. No, I'm not, but but I'll surely sit back and let you go at it. Okay. <laughs> well, we well, do appreciate uh, HorseChannel.com for for doing that, and we'll make sure that we have a link back to them on our site. And coming up on today's show, we've got news from around the nation, and oh yeah, some good stuff from Hong Kong. We have website of the week, which is the North American Riding for the Handicapped Association. N-A-R-H-A. We have listener emails to, to share with you and whatever Glenn and Michael and I come up with today. All right. Sounds good. Let's get to the news. All right. We're going to start out with uh, news from Hong Kong. We have U.S. riders looking forward to freestyles, Great Britain orchestrates gold medal performances, and this is all from the 2008 Paralympic Games in Dressage. Helena, we should also mention that we're actually recording this a little early. We're actually recording this on 9-11. It won't be posted till the 19th. So if you're going, well, that's over now, it's because I'm going on vacation next week and we record, needed to record her a week ahead. So forgive us for the, for the delay in the news. This is, um, we're going to give you, I'm going to give you a brief overview of some of the successes from Hong Kong. So what we have is the first medals were handed out um, at the 2008 Paralympic Games in Hong Kong. Unfortunately, there were no medals for the U.S., um, but over the next couple of days, they will, um, they'll ride their free t- freestyle tests. And then after that, U.S. riders are going to be focusing on the World Equestrian Games in 2010. We have a uh, a gal, Barbara Grassmeyer of Placerville, California, Apert Syndrome, and she's looking forward to the freestyle on Thursday. Um, Apert Syndrome is a genetic defect that results in malformation of a person's skull, facial bones, hands, and feet. It's a very rare birth defect, but um, obviously people with it can go on to do such wonderful things as compete in Paralympics in dressage. Uh, so she's been riding her 14-year-old Dutch warm blood, and she's out of Placerville, California. Now, in her division, uh, the medals were bookended by Germany. So we had a German rider by the name of Hannelore Brenner, and she was on a horse named Women of the World, and Bettina Eistel, who rides beautifully despite having no arms, and she was the bronze medalist. And the photo that you'll see on the on our website is actually of Bettina Eistel. And she was actually, according, looking in the photo, she's holding the reins yep. with her mouth. And it looks like yep. she's got a little control with her feet as well, which... Oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't see is, that. Um, ...is fascinating, and just looking... That horse is gorgeous. Uh, there's another rider named Keith Nurla, if I'm saying that pre- correctly. He's from King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. And this was his first chance to ride in the Paralympics. And interestingly, he was riding a horse named um, Walk on the Moon, who was owned by David O'Connor. And 
Now, he didn't, um, Keith didn't place, he didn't get any medals, but uh, this was also the first time for the thoroughbred for Walk on the Moon in the Paralympics. So, Walk on the Moon is a former event horse, but this is the first time uh, he has performed in the Paralympics. Interesting, Keith, who um, has spastic diplegia, which is actually a form of cerebral palsy, and that affects um, a person's two legs, which makes walking very difficult because of tight muscles and the hips and legs. And I think it's important to kind of describe these riders, these um, Olympians, what they, what their disability is, because it just shows how challenging and how much a person can overcome when they're working with horses and when they're motivated by athletics. And, you know, Michael's, Michael, you're a perfect example of that. Plus, Michael, we had on a couple of weeks ago Anastasia Burke uh, from California who, out of the blue, went blind at the age of 36 while out feeding her horses. And she, she has also said she claimed that that was the best thing that's ever happened in her life. I, I agree. You know, it's, it's, it's always interesting, you know, when you are confronted with a situation that uh, can really set you back and take control of your life, um, the positives that can come of it if you allow yourself to experience it. There is um, there's another uh, U.S. Paralympian. Her name's Lynn Seideman. She competed as well in Hong Kong in the 1B division, and she had a really interesting quote. She said, well, First, let me say that she's a paraplegic, and that was um, a result of a skiing accident from more than 20 years ago. And she says that riding gives her back some of the freedom she used to have on her own legs. She says, I feel like I'm not disabled when I ride. I feel like I can play again. And again, I think that's such an important quote because it applies to disabled riders as well as abled body riders, that horses bring us together as human beings. They don't see our differences and in that, they offer us a freedom from the everyday challenges we face, you know, whether they be with our bodies or our souls. So I thought that was a very telling quote. That is absolutely, that's it. Right? And so there's, there's so much to be learned from, from um, I think, the, the level of athleticism that Paralympians have achieved. And, um, you know, we'll keep our eyes open for the U.S. riders. They didn't come, you know, they didn't clean up with the medals here at these games, but I'm sure they're going to do very well at the World Equestrian Games in 2010. Well, absolutely. And I, I think if I might interject, it's the fact that they're winners because they're there. Yeah, great point. You know, they're, they're, you know, sometimes we get focused on the, the medals, and the reality of it is it's the journey. And if we can enjoy and thoroughly consume ourselves with the, the, positive aspects of, of the journey and moving forward, that, that's, that's where the gratification really comes from. And I do have to mention, the British team uh, got their third team gold medal, so the British team uh, was the one who won the team competition over there. And you can see all the results at equestrian2008.org. Right, and we will post links to the Paralympics and information on the website. That sounds good. Now, Mike, weren't weren't you part of the Paralympic team at one point, or trying to? I was. I was fortunate enough um, back in the '90s to participate in uh, wheelchair track and road racing, and was fortunate enough to compete on a national level, and then moved up to an international level, and was on the provisional team to go to Barcelona 
in uh, 92. Wow, that's great. And and you actually, that's why, by the way, everybody, that's why he has the arms the size of tree trunks. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I think it's from pushing the wheelchair around in sand all the time in arenas, too. Yeah, well, that that surely is, uh, that helped, yes. Yeah, I've seen you struggle through that. That, that doesn't look like much fun to me. No. no. The sand is tough. It provides a challenge, for sure. After that point, did you continue road racing at all? I did. I did. I ended up, unfortunately, uh, due to an injury, I was not able to go and participate in the 92 Olympics. And then I ended up retiring from competitive wheelchair racing in 95. And that uh, was mainly due to the fact that, uh, you know, my injuries weren't healing and it was time to kind of reevaluate and see if that's what I wanted to continue to You know, I was appreciative of the opportunities. And surely from the competitive aspect, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it and, and thrive on that. But I've just turned that into other things and channeled it, and the horses have provided and continue to provide the, the, the gratification that I experienced in racing in a different way, but, but surely it's there. All right, great. Well, then take ourselves out of Hong Kong and bring ourselves to Lexington, Kentucky, where last weekend there was an interesting show. It was the Endangered Breeds Show, and my wife was actually there, and she said it was fascinating to see all the breeds that you never see anywhere. Uh, they brought some in from from all over the country, and even uh, there were some coming from Canada and some from England. So there was there was a, quite a variety of horses. Uh, what they what they look for are horses that there's only a few hundred left in the world. So this is a very unique show. Uh, a couple examples of horses that were there was Rosie, a 10-year-old Dale's pony, imported from England. She's the only one of her kind at the show. And there are only about 300 mares in the world uh, of the Dale ponies, which I didn't realize because I have seen one of those before. Yeah. Newfoundland ponies came down from Canada for the first time. They put in an appearance. And then adding atmosphere to the show, apparently the National Zoo, which I believe is out of Washington, D.C., came in to promote their rare, what they call equids. It, they had a zebra. They had a Pers- Persian... I, you know, last week we couldn't talk and pronounce names. This one's getting <laughs> me this week. An Onager? O-N-A-G-E-R. I, have you ever heard of that, Michael? I, I have, but I don't know much about them. Yeah, I, I, I will put a link to the show notes. We'll find out something about them in the show notes we'll put, because none of us have anything to contribute on that. And the, the Przewalski horses, of course, that a lot of people have heard of because they're the true wild horse in the world. They were the native wild horses. So uh, other things that showed up were horses that had direct proof that they were had prehistoric ancestry. And one of them was the Exmoor. It's an endangered breed from England and considered the oldest and purest native pony breed in the, in the world. Now, I've heard a lot about Exmoor ponies, but I didn't think that they were endangered. It seemed like they were everywhere. Uh, apparently, they're, they're still an endangered breed. Hmm. Caspian horses, they predate Arabians, actually, uh, for, and, and uh, were thought extinct until 1965. And apparently, there's a few of those around now. And then I'll let Helena say the next one because I'm looking stupid not being able to pronounce names. <laughs> Uh, oh my gosh! Thanks a lot, Glenn. Oh, the uh, this is how I've always said it: um, the Akaltiki uh, horses. They're they're descendants. That's the ones you're talking about, right, Glenn? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, Akaltiki um, descendants of ancient Turkish war horses. Now, just I want to remind everybody that this is coming from a person who thought um, Shenectady was the way you actually pronounced Schenectady, New York. Oh, okay. So- <laughs> And you notice Michael's being quiet. He's not adding anything to this conversation. 
<laughs> I grew up in New York, and for the longest time, I thought Schenectady was pronounced Schenectady. <laughs> so who knows whether or not Akaltiki is right. So we'll have a link in our show notes to the story about that. I just thought it was fascinating, and Jennifer, my wife, she said it was absolutely cool to see all these different breeds at the park. Apparently, it was quite a big show. And they compete. They have, uh, they have different classes that they do. And it would have been fun. I, I, next year, I think I'm going to try and get out for it. All that right. sounds pretty and good. speaking of shows. We have, coming up in October, the American Quarter Horse Congress. Um, we talked about this a little bit in a previous episode. This is one big horse show. More than 16,000 horse show entries, and it's going to be in Ohio. We'll put some links up to it again. But what I wanted to mention this week is that um, in my research, I found a really cool website which lists hotels nearby. So if you do plan on attending the, the um, Quarter Horse Congress, oh, it's Columbus, Ohio, there um, – this website will list links to every hotel, how far it is from the event site, what the price is, and a brief description. And it's all pretty much in one easy-to-view page, which I thought was a fabulous resource. So we're going to put a link up to that website. And um, I do hope you guys plan on attending if you're in the area or if you have time to travel. Um, it's going to be one fabulous event. And I think, Michael, you've been to Quarter Horse Congress before, right? I have. I was uh, fortunate enough to go and do a presentation on therapeutic riding at the Congress. And it uh, was a wonderful opportunity and on, a, on a couple different aspects. One, the fact that people are that interested to know more about therapeutic riding and, and the significant role that the horse plays, and the fact that um, it was so well-received that, uh, you know, you just think at, a, at an ambulatory show, for example, that they, you know, might not be as interested, and it was quite, quite the contrary. It was, it was great. Now, do you ride quarter horses, Michael? I do ride quarter horses. Do you? I didn't know that. Actually, yep, I do. You know, quarter horses are, um, you know, really help me in the respect that, you know, growing up riding warm bloods and thoroughbreds, particularly, the the movement is is too big for me to comfortably ride those horses uh, to the extent that that I do, and as far as demonstrations and things of this nature, right. And so, consequently. Um, that lended uh, in a positive way to finding some other breeds that might be conducive for me. And I tried Arabs for a while and Morgans and have ridden some thoroughbreds post-injury. But the, the quarter horse is a, a very nice compromise in, in not a negative way, in a positive way of, of all those different breeds that, that I've been able to ride from a mental and a physical aspect. Now, of all the quarter horse traits, what would you say is your favorite or, or makes that breed stand out? for what you like, for well, what you need? From my perspective, their, their, their temperament is, is conducive for me. Um, their movement isn't as big, but it's, it's similar to, you know, the, the thoroughbreds and the warmbloods. And, and I ride, and I have to preface that by saying that I, that I ride all English-type quarter horses. You know, they're all 15-3, and, and the movement that I look for in the quarter horses is similar to that. Yep. Uh, blowing through the shoulder, really nice engagement um, because of the, the, the I, I use them to demonstrate movements, both reining movements and dressage movements. So it's, it's kind of unique what we do with them, but the, the, the mindset is conducive uh, to being in front of people and large crowds and noises and, and not to say that other breeds can't have those uh, traits. But and abilities, but the quarter horse really lends itself in a positive way for me. Now, when you're at the um, the quarter horse congress or a show like this, 
I'm guessing, but I'd love for you to <laughs> to confirm that you really get the opportunity to see just how versatile the quarter horse is in a show like this. Do they do they showcase all of the quarter horse's talents? They they really do. They have uh, a whole array of classes from Western English driving um, in hand, and it's 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 wonderful to see, and it really provides. Uh, a real broad perspective for people to go and experience. I mean, it's a three-week show, and you know, not only the horses that you can go and see, but you can go and shop to you to you drop. I mean, there's there's everything from trailers to apparel to clothing, uh, you name it. And it's a, it's a big show, but the the quarter horse is is well represented as it pertains to their versatility and their abilities at at a show like this. And I wanted to mention, too, that you can... Uh, Michael, do you... First, uh, do you, I have a question. Do you ride in an English or Western saddle or a custom-made or...? Well, it's, it's a custom-made uh, Western saddle, and it, it allows me to, to have the stability um, because of the saddle. And a lot of people ask me, well, why do you ride, you know, dressage in a Western saddle? Well, I, I think we have to say that you know, it's it's just tack. We can't get caught up in the fact that I ride a Western saddle. That means I'm only Western. You know, it's it's still. Um, yeah, it's just a piece of basically. Thing. It's a piece of leather to keep you on the horse. It is, and the the Western saddles provide the the, the structure with the tree to make the adaptations from the tree up or skeletal structure up that a Western or an English saddle just doesn't allow me to to be able to do. Uh, as far as the back and, and some of those other things. So your saddle probably looks more like the old military saddles then. Well, it, it does. With it the higher back? It, I have a higher back. I have a 15-inch back. And the reason that I have the back going up that high, it goes above um, my original injury. So I don't hyperextend my spine and my vertebra if I were to come behind vertical and lose my balance. Ah. I flush against the back of that and allows me to come forward. And it's interesting, a lot of uh, paras, or not even paras, but people that have a, uh, sustained a spinal cord injury or been confronted with it due to a birth defect um, have always asked me why my saddle, you know, the camel is so high. And, and really the, the reason behind it is, is when I come behind vertical with my shoulders, I can come up against that back flush and then I can regain my balance and come back to vertical. And the, the, the back of the saddle sits about 75-degree angle, so it's not 90 degrees. It's just back a little bit, which, which allows that energy to go down through the saddle, absorbed into the horse in a non-adverse way, and then allows us to continue to go forward. So, yeah, and, you know, I do want to mention here that, uh, Michael, you, you you still are open. You have some openings for doing clinics. We don't want to be remiss in mentioning that, that we'll put the links on our show notes. But what website should they go to if they want to get in touch with you? It's it's www.brokenrranch.com. And, and you can see pictures there of Michael and, and his beautiful wife uh, jumping and riding and, and doing their thing. And also your schedule's on there for where you're going to be next. Correct. And we're, we're always open to uh, entertaining potential interest to, to travel. We travel about 70% of the year. Uh, probably 60 of that is, is hauling horses. And I take my horses everywhere I can and demonstrate uh, you know, the, the things that uh, have allowed me to do what I do and I share in the clinics. Now you, you're, you're teaching privately as well, is that true? 
can you talk, tell us a little bit about, I know the backstory behind this, but I think um, our listeners would be interested to hear um, the certification process that's required by the NARHA and your saddle. There's a little bit of a conflict there, isn't there? Just a little bit. It, it, it pertains to NARA, yes. Um, they, they don't promote any adaptive saddles in this case. And my saddle is uh, unique in the respect of, of the back, like we've just mentioned. I also have some rip cords that, that you can pull that releases the, the girth from the saddle, and the rider would go down to the ground with the saddle in case of emergencies. Okay. But the, the saddle has a, a safety belt that goes around my waist and allows me to keep my pelvis level to evenly distribute my weight through my seat bones and sustain my balance. But all of this seems, like, logical. I mean... <laughs> well, I, I think it comes down, and I agree with that, Glenn. I think it comes down to, to personal preference and, and where the needs are. I mean, you have a seatbelt. Okay, I can understand the, the, the thing about the seatbelt, but you also have a release mechanism to release the entire saddle. Correct. Correct. So I think that compensates for the whole seatbelt thing. Well, I, I, I would think so, and, and that surely would be a debatable issue. The, the other aspect is the fact that the question always comes up. If you're in a, a riding situation where you have sidewalkers, for example, and you don't have any, any adaptations on the saddle, such as a seatbelt, and the horse were to, to jump sideways, uh, an individual like myself is going to lose their balance and okay. probably come off. And I don't think that you know a sidewalker, although they would like to, is going to be able to, to catch a 175-pound person that suddenly loses their balance and falls off. Now, not to say they wouldn't try, and not to say they wouldn't be successful at it, but, but my thought is with the adaptations, I can ride safely and maximize the potential that I or someone like my, in my situation would have to be able to ride effectively. Right. And not to mention the confidence it gives you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, I, and I've been very, very fortunate. I've got um, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 5,000 rides post-injury the first time. And, you know, I've got thousands of hours on horseback, and I've only had to pull the rip cords twice. And, well, actually three times. Two were in, out of necessity. One was in demonstration and to show, and I was grateful for that. Well, and that makes that's better than most able-bodied riders over a twenty-year period of time. <laughs> that's way better than me in a week. <laughs> I, I think it, it lends itself in a positive way, and I'm, I'm grateful for it. I know, as an ambulatory person, I, I came off a lot more than that, and it's it's you know. But but mind you, I I I cover all the bases. I start my own horses. I expose my own horses. I thoroughly uh, develop them, and part of that development is. Is, is riding, but you know my my riding is focused on exhibitions, demonstrations, and always in front of the public, whether it be at a horse fair or a horse expo. So I have to really make sure I've covered all the uh, all the bases, dotted the i's and crossed the t's to do what I do, and, and provide the, the the opportunity to be as safe as possible. Well, that's great, and that leads us beautifully into the... I threw the next story in because I knew Michael would have some opinions on this. I, I've seen Michael train horses. He's one of the most gentle horse trainers I've ever seen, and this just worked beautifully. Plus, it's a plug-out, again, to HorseChannel.com, who highlighted us on their website. But uh, 
Sharon Biggs wrote an article over there called Pet Peeves of Dressage Judges. You can find it at horsechannel.com. We'll have a link to it. But she talked to a couple of dressage judges to find out what their pet peeves were, and I, I thought a couple of them were fascinating. Marielle Barnett, who is an FEI and a USEF judge, said riders that give horses conflicting aids and then are unhappy with their horses because of poor performance really bother me. When I see a rider pulling on the reins and kicking or hitting the horse with a whip or digging in with the spurs. There we go again, Helena. I feel sorry for the poor horse. What also gets my goat is when riders are not prepared to ride the level that they have chosen to compete. Is that a classic or what, Michael? Oh, my. Well put. You know, I I agree with that. And I I think to, to sum that up, I would have to say that sometimes it's hard to look in the mirror. And, oh, and yeah. we see some of the flaws that we all have as it pertains to what you just said, that more times than not, horses get the blunt of, of us not being able to look in the mirror. That, how do you – sorry, Michael. How do you – when you're helping um, – when you're working with in a therapeutic riding situation, do you help other um, disabled riders? I, I do. Not not near as many as you might think. Okay. Uh, it, it's a very small percentage. More times than not, at, at an expo, for example, I'll meet some people or know somebody that knows somebody. Okay. And always love and, and very interested to share. I'm, I'm open to having people come out to our ranch or on the road, uh, whatever it may be. But not near as much as you'd think. Um, probably 99% of my clientele is ambulatory riders. Okay. And a large percentage of that are competitive riders that are kind of looking for assistance in in pinpointing, if you will, uh, some of the areas that they're they're having some trouble with. The well, the reason I the reason I'm asking is because I'm thinking about a rider who's trying to achieve a particular goal and the frustration that comes with it. And I see, I totally get this judge's pet peeve, and that a lot of this <laughs> bad behavior by the rider comes out of frustration. And I guess I, my first instinct was to say that um, a disabled rider might experience more frustration than an able body rider. But after thinking about it, no, I, I'm going to say there's probably an equal amount of frustration there. How do you help your students deal with those frustrations so that they don't turn into the type of riding that we're talking about here, which really annoys this judge? Well, you know, that, that's a great question. Um, and I, I think more than anything, across the board is helping people develop a mindset that's going to be conducive to be successful. And as it pertains to horses, understanding thoroughly what it is you want to accomplish, because the more confident, the more cognitive we are of of what we want to accomplish, it's going to be easier to present it to the horse. And then having the understanding of, of presenting it, backing off, and letting the horse kind of try to figure it out. Sometimes, riders, we, we tend to to get so focused on the objective that we've, again, lost the means of, of some of the subtleties, the nuances of, of being able to get there. Right. And it, it truly is a partnership. Well, and 
sorry. Well, no, I was just going to say that it, it, what you just said, the other quote that I wanted to, to give today was by Lewis Eukins, who's an FEI USE. F, USEF judge, and that that quote was, it's fairly easy to see an inexperienced rider and understand the basic mistakes. My biggest peeve is seeing trainers make big, ugly moves that destroy the horse's confidence and produce a picture that less experienced riders emulate. When I see a rider trying to outmuscle the horse and the horse having to give in, I get very angry. Well, hmm. I, I, I think that's great as well, um, and I see that a lot. And, and I'm in a perspective that it lends itself in a, in a, I think, a positive way to sharing with people that you don't need to do that. You know, I've got a horse that is exceptional, and, and he does upper-level movements, dressage movements, and he's never had a bit in his mouth. And I've never pulled on him. I started him as a stallion, rode him as a stallion for four years, and this horse is exceptional. And what that says to me is it can be done. And... I had a lot of people say, well, that horse isn't going to be able to do that because you're not using your legs or you don't have a pet in their mouth. And quite the contrary. And I think that that lends itself in a positive way to helping people see the fact that if we would just give ourselves the time, give the horse the time, it will be successful. You know Stacy Westfall, don't you? I do. And, of course, she is the epitome of what you just said. I mean, she rides, you know, does those beautiful, now she does Western, but she does those beautiful tests, really, or the freestyles, without, without, a, without reins, mm-hmm. <laughs> with nothing. Yep, she's a, a wonderful, gifted rider, and just, a, just an outstanding lady in her own right, but she, she does a beautiful job, and I think it, it really emulates the fact that we can be successful if we can just, again, thoroughly understand what we want to do and be open to the process and be open to the horse and enjoy that that journey within that relationship. So, Michael, what kind of bridle do you ride with in this particular horse, if, without a bit? I, I have, uh, it, it's just a real versatile top bridle, but uh, the, the cabison is something that a dear friend of mine a long time ago shared with me by the name of Irby Parker. And he uh, uh, made one for me, and it's it's really just a cabison that I, I use, and I attach the the cheek piece to and the reins to, and I can tighten it or loosen it depending on the horse's uh, head. Um, and and I use that, and I start all my horses with just a cabison, and then they progress to carrying a bit, and then we ultimately graduate if if need be to to using the bit. So you're having the same conversation with with the horse, just um, you're not using a piece of metal. You're using pressure instead of in the mouth, you're using pressure on the face. Is that right? Correct. And and the pressure is applied in such a way that that in a very um, kind manner that I take up a few of the reins and I wait for the horse to to process the information and ultimately yield their muzzle and we build on that. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, and I think that uh, we'll have to move on here to get through the show, or otherwise, we're going to be here for two hours today. So. Well, we are talking about horses, but <laughs> oh, I my know, goodness. I know, I know. But I did want I did want to make sure that we mentioned our website of the week, which is the N A R H A. That's the uh, North American Riding Asso- uh, Riding for the Handicapped Association, and their Horses for Heroes program. And what that is is it's a it's a handicapped riding program, but it's designed to help the veterans who are coming. Coming back from Iraq.
Iraq and Afghanistan, the ones who've lost arms and legs or, or are just depressed. Uh, they're going through all the stuff they go through when they come back from war. And, and this program actually helps them deal with the traumatic experiences that they have to deal with. And apparently it's been very successful. Have you heard of this one, Michael? I have. I have heard of it. And I... Um have had the opportunity to, to see a little bit of this, and it's it's absolutely incredible to to see the horse with the empathy that they possess and the kindness that they possess really touch these individuals in, in helping them, lending in a positive way, these individuals kind of reacclimating themselves to environment different than what they had experienced in, in a war-type situation. The dressage groups around the country now are getting involved to help raise money and and they are needing money right now and we'll put the link to their website and we encourage everybody who can give two dollars ten dollars whatever it is towards this program i just think it's a wonderful cause that that and it's a group a lot of times just gets forgotten Mm. unfortunately so and that's a shame and let's hope that that doesn't uh happen this time and we all have to be uh be stewards of, of helping these individuals because of the cause and, and what they've done and the sacrifices. And you know what? If they had a great big sign posted out along the highway from EasySignsOnline.com, then probably <laughs> they could increase their fundraising efforts. Easy, we thank EasySignsOnline.com for being one of our sponsors. Their, uh, their unique website utilizes an easy step-by-step ordering process where you can choose the options you want on your sign. You just go through and pick them all. It shows you the prices right there so you know exactly what you're getting. They have signs for farm, ranch, business, or home. Uh, They can do entrance signs, magnetic vehicle signs for your farm, whatever you need. Uh, Vinyl banners, outdoor signs, stall markers, they have it all. They have great prices, and uh, you can visit their website at EZ, that's the letters EZ, signsonline.com, or you can call them toll-free at 1-800-640-8180. That's 1-800-640-8180. 8180. How'd you like that transition, guys? That was uh, I was working at that. You are so, you are so <laughs> I was so working so. for that one. All right. Well, this is really a great show. Um, and I would like to wrap it up with um, an email that came in from a listener from England. And I'm going to read this to you. This is from Carol in Birmingham. Hi from England. Glenn and Helena, in episode four, you mentioned horse games for your computer. My daughter is looking forward to a new game coming out here in England. It is for the Wii, and it's called Ellen Whitaker's Horse Life. It looks like it will be fun for the preteen crowd. The description reminds me of the Mary King game you spoke of. So check it out. Great show. I listen every week while I clean stalls. So, again, that's from Carol in Birmingham, and uh, we'll post some information on the Isn't it comforting to know that, that we help people clean stalls? I mean, the, the more emails we get, they all say, I listen while I'm cleaning stalls. So I don't know if we remind them of manure or it's just a time killer. I'm not sure which. It's, the, it's a great time to talk and chat. If you're doing stalls and you're next to somebody who's doing stalls, blah, 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 chat, 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 chat. It's just, it's like coffee talk, only well, it's that, poop That talk. is true. And there apparently in... <laughs> I <read poop> talk. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> I read the description of this game, and it says, Real-time horse behavior. You will have to take care of, feed, and nurture your horse. I wonder if stall cleaning is included in the game. If, if not, it surely should uh, be... Maybe well, no, you know what would happen? The dad would still end up having to clean the stall, even in the game. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's a good point there. 
So Wii uh, is getting into the horse business. That's good to see. Have you ever played with a Wii? No. no. Oh, they're fun. They are a lot of fun. I do enjoy playing with the Wii because you actually get up and do something. Michael, you'd like it. You play tennis and all that different kind of stuff, and the remote thing is really cool. It is a fun game. My wife loves to bowl playing, playing with the Wii. So, <laughs> so. I'd rather go out and just do it for real. <laughs> If I'm going to be sitting in my living room, I'm probably going to be eating junk food and watching trash TV, not, not playing uh, tennis. <laughs> well, Michael, we do appreciate you being on today with us. I do like this format. Maybe we'll do it more often where we have our, our guests actually sit in the entire show with us. And I, I do want to say again that Michael can be reached at BrokenRRanch.com, and we'll put that link in our show notes. Plus, Michael, we're going to put you as our stable spotlight, so we'll have a whole thing in there about your, your website. And maybe I'll send over a little link. Is your, is your father-in-law still doing your website work? Yeah, he's assisting in it, yes. I have another individual that's, that's helping me probably working into more of a significant role. But, okay, but, well, then maybe I'll just send you over a little graphic and a link you can put on your website back to us as well. That, that would be great. I'd, I'd welcome that. And you have to work on Tiffany. We want to have her on one of these shows. I, I will do that. I, I, I'm sure she will uh, welcome the opportunity. All right, good. And will, will you come back sometime? I would be honored. I didn't pick on you too much today? No, I? this was just great. I, I can't thank you, you both enough. It was just a real pleasure to, to always meet good people and, and, and share what these wonderful horses have shared with us. So that's, that's wonderful. So thank you. All right. You're welcome. Our pleasure. And we want to mention that uh, you can reach us at geeks, G-E-E-K-S, at horseradionetwork.com. If you want to send us an email, that's where you can reach us. We, or you can leave us a voicemail at 270-803-0025. That's 270-803-0025. Our show notes are available at stablescoop.com. You can reach Michael at brokenrranch.com. And we'd like to thank our sponsor, Easy Signs Online, for joining us today. And Michael and Helena, and Helena, we will see you next week. Where we'll have the scoop. <laughs> <laughs>